years I've been in this church, and we've had waves. We've had, you know, growth and decline. Everything in, in the world happens in waves. But God's, it's like the waves of the ocean. You know, they build up and then they break and sweep up over the shore. But God's in, increasing the intensity of the waves because we're in the last days. And those waves are going to go out over the nations and break over the peoples of the earth and bring forth salvation. And we get to be a part of that together, not in, yes, individually, but corporately. As Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan was saying, this church has a heart for nations. So it's not just what's happening here, but it is important what's happening here because we came from here. God, this church is not only supporting missionaries, it's sending missionaries. And so you're a part of something bigger than what we see with our eyes, and aren't you thankful for that? Yeah, we haven't, I haven't gotten much of a chance to share with you all over the last six months or so, but we've got two schools going in Nepal, but Seth and Shelley in Croatia, the, the school in Peru, two schools, meaning two different tracks of people. It's pretty busy online these days, and it's getting busy in the, in the air, too, now that we can travel again. So thanks for all of your support. And those of you that sewed into the trips, so those that are going, thank you from me, because you're, you're, good, you're sewing into good ground, and we're so excited for them to meet the pastors. Some of you know in Peru, the ones you've been to before years ago when I was gone. Such a good work that God's doing there, and we get to join them, join hands. Amen? So Pastor Mark asked me, to carry on his Spirit Within series, and I was like listening to all of his Sunday night messages, like refreshing, like trying to be like Pastor Mark, you know, like I got to carry on what he's saying. I'm like, this isn't working very good. I, I, I'm not very good at being like Pastor Mark. So you're going to get Pastor Mark's series, but with a, a twist, with a different perspective, with a Tony Haskell perspective. Amen. So, Lord, thank you for your word tonight, and thank you for this church and the beautiful people that are gathered here. Lord, we truly, as we were worshiping, we truly mean what we said. We want to give our hearts to you, our lives to you. We want to burn anew with fresh oil. We want uh, a refreshing, Lord, a, a renewing for the, the next leg of the race that we're all running. We thank you for your waves of glory that are breaking out from fountain places like this, flowing out and, and touching. I always see it like flowing down the highways and the river valleys and filling the region, Lord God, with your presence. Thank you for that, what you're doing in this church, and, and it begins by what you're doing in each one of us. And so we open our hearts tonight to hear you, and, and I ask you, Lord, to help me to share what you want to share in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... I like to think of it as inside out, from the inside out. We often, you know, the Old Testament was all about what you do on the outside will produce what you're going to be. But the New Covenant, Jesus turned everything upside down and inside out. So the New Covenant is, is, is an inside change. The new birth is a change on the inside. And yet, as Pastor Mark's been teaching us, there has to be a working out of what God's done supernaturally in our spirit. So we get born again, and I kind of qualify this because the first time I went to India, I, 
see, I can't stop talking about nations, sorry. <laughs> but when I went to India, I went up to this village, and there was all these people in a tent, like these men with turbans, and it was dark, and I was supposed to preach, you know, and I, I didn't really know a lot about the Hindu culture then. And I preached this message, and I said, you know, all this about Jesus, and if you want to do that, you know, raise their hand, your hand. And a lot of those men raised their hand. So I was super excited, and I said, well, then pray this prayer after me. And I began, you know, the, the salvation prayer, but they weren't saying anything. So I thought, this is a problem. And the, the older lady, Indian lady that was with me, she came and rescued me, and she took uh, the meeting, and she talked to them in Hindi and, you know, whatever she did. And then she taught me. She said, in India, people don't get born again just like that. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's all it is. It's a decision. I just say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart. And he comes. And you and I know that that's true. But when you're in India and you don't even know who Jesus is, <laughs> there is a period of time of learning who he is before you can make a decision like that, right? But truly, once we know who Jesus is and we ask from a believing heart, the new birth is an instantaneous change. Uh, the, the old sin nature is poured out and the new God nature is poured in. But Philippians 2.12, as pastor's been teaching us, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, and I love the second part more, for it is God who is always effectually at work in you, the Amplified says, creating in you not only power, but power and desire. Isn't that good? So God gives you the want to. He gives you the, the ability to, but he gives you also the want to. But the point we're looking at is why does he say we have to work out our salvation? Well, we know that our spirit is changed instantly, but our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, our body, our, our physical body doesn't change. And so God's salvation is meant to start on the inside and work its way out, and we do have a part in that. I got this quote from A.B. Simpson, and it was in some of my old notes, and I really like it. He said, An ancient architect was asked to build a temple for the sun. After others had constructed their beautiful models of granite and polished marble and resplendent gold, he brought a design made of simple, transparent glass and said, this is the true temple for the sun, for the sun himself can live within it and pass out and, of, and in without restraint. God is wanting temples for himself as transparent as the colorless glass, reflecting not their own glory but his. And that reminds me of the scripture that says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, what? That the excellence of the power would be of God. But that's God's goal for us is that we be transformed from clay pots. Because <laughs> how many know we're, we're simply made of, of minerals or in the flesh, our, na our physical nature. But just like sand can be turned into glass, I always think about what it would have been like to live before they had glass. You know, you live up where you have to shutter everything with wood 
and your house is all dark all the time. So when they first discovered glass, how wonderful. Like now I can have a barrier there to keep the wind out, but I can see the sunshine can come in. And so God wants to work out that new birth from the inside by transforming our flesh nature and our soul, renewing our mind, so we can display him. And we all know, guys, that, or I guess, you know, I travel around to churches, so sometimes I can, it's easy for me to get a pulse of what God's saying to the church universal, because he's speaking the same thing in churches. He wants the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. He wants the unveiling of who he really is through his church. And I preach a lot about this, but, and Pastor Mark has been on Sunday mornings about the body. The body to God is an e eternal body. It's not just this generation. It's generations before and the generations to come. God looks at the church in an eternal way from past to future. And so he's doing something in his church. And we are living in a day where things are happening that haven't happened in previous generations. Because we're living in a time that hasn't been in previous generations. The last days and the culmination of, of the ages. I think it says in Acts chapter 3, all the wisdom uh, in the word through the ages has been synthesized or, um, what's the word, like made more pure and higher power for us today to receive corporately because of the lives that have gone before. And so we're the ones that, that are called now. In every generation, every individual was called. But today, the body of Christ is called to rise and shine. And, and we're not talking about um, shining from the outside, but a light from the inside coming out and showing who Jesus is. So, you know, all of us... When we got born again, and even before, we have dark, dark areas. We have wounds. We have wrong thinking. We have shadows. I think of it like shadows in our heart. But Pastor Jonathan preached about the blood this morning. The blood of Jesus has power to wash away every stain, every shadow on every heart. But it doesn't always happen in a day or an instant. It's a process. God is at work in us creating in us power and desire to do his will. So Old Testament was what you do will make you holy. Keep the law, bring the right sacrifices, do all these rules. And that's the only way God could bring people near to him because they were sinners. But in the new covenant, it's being that produces doing. So we no longer do things to be good. We are good, so we do good things. And so knowing that we are Christ-like and that we are called to be like him enables us to activate the things God has for us. God never forces us. Anytime we feel forced or pressured, we have a pretty good idea it's not God. God encourages us. He, he prompts us. He might, um, you know, push us a little bit, uh, tap us, but he doesn't force us. And so it's up to us to say, Lord, I want you to work in me. I want you to create in me a new heart that shows on the outside, not just on the inside. Pastor's been preaching Galatians 5.13. You and I, we've been called to liberty, 
But do not use liberty as an opportunity for our flesh, but through love serve one another. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? He came to serve us. And so we need to learn how to love as Christians. Now, we have love dwelling within us, so we have the ability to love. We have the capacity to love. But our human love is so far below the quality, the purity, and the power of God's love that he wants us to raise our, our love level. He wants our love to be like his love. Luke chapter 10, pastor mentioned this, where Jesus sent the 70 out and he gave them power, power to, you know, bind demons and power to show the kingdom authority. But when they came back, he said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, which is a pretty good reason for rejoicing, especially if people are being set free. But he said the higher miracle, the greater miracle is that your names are written in heaven, that you are a new creation in Christ, that you have the capacity to be God-like. And God wants to work in us to make us like him. And yet, it's so difficult sometimes. I mean, the nature of the flesh is selfishness. And I always think of God is light. He's like the sun. The sun is always shining out. The sun doesn't suck in. The, the sun shines all the time. It never stops beaming. That's God. The flesh nature, the Satan's side of it, he's like the black hole. He just takes takes, takes, kill, steal, destroy, me. It's all about me. And we have to fight that battle because we're human and we live in physical bodies and we have souls that have wounds and, and think. We have thoughts where we think about why did this person do that to me and so on. And so in the fall, the focus of God that was shining out in man turned inward and became... Um, selfish and stealing and killing and taking from others, self-seeking. Galatians 5.13, we just read this, but this is the um, Amplified. For you, brothers and sisters, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive for your flesh or an opportunity or an excuse for selfishness, but through love serve one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. We all know this, right? We know about 1 Corinthians 13. We know that love doesn't um, hold on to a wrong. We know that love overwhelms and covers other people's sin, and love can overcome a multitude of sin. And yet, for how many of us, how many of us can say that we're perfected in that? <laughs> I don't believe that any of us will ever be perfected, totally perfected in this lifetime, but we definitely should be moving toward perfection. We should be better uh, this month than we were last month. And I think, again, with what God's speaking to the body of Christ in our time, this is a theme right now. It's like, we're, I'm working on the inside so I can do something on the outside. God always works first in us before he can work through us. And so he, we are, our focus should be building our life in the spirit. 
sadly, and not really sadly, but in the church today, there's a lot of talk about, about miracles and about power, and God wants to do miracles and display power. But we're going to see as we study this that the, the quality of the miracles and the authority, the kingdom authority that we walk in has everything to do with our purity on the inside and with our taking care of our heart and our inner motives. Galatians 7 or 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What a person sows, that they will also reap. If we sow to our flesh, we will reap corruption. If we sow to the Spirit, we will reap eternal life. And so what are we sowing with our words and what are we sowing with our actions? So that's, that's the introduction. That's the foundation. Normally when we teach about things of the Spirit, I, I have a way of thinking about it that I'll share with you. And this is just my perception, okay? We talk about the glory of God and then we talk about the anointing, which is the manifest presence of God. We teach about the spirit within, which is like John chapter 4, the new birth, the woman at the well. Jesus said, this water that I will give you will become a well springing up and you'll never be thirsty again. That is the, the, the glory within or the well that we drink from. Then in John chapter 7, and I think Pastor Mark's going to get into this spirit upon Jesus said, is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. And out of your belly or your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then it says he was speaking of the Spirit. So the rivers are to flow out of us. The well is, to, is for us. Now, I think of it this way. The glory of God is, is the well on the inside. We carry, we're carriers of the glory of God. And so the glory of God changes us. It produces the fruit of the Spirit, which pastor's been teaching about. It's the effect, the produce, the result of that glory dwelling in us. We are changed. Meanwhile, the anointing upon us is for others. It brings change to others. It could be compared to the gifts of the Spirit, the operations of the Spirit. So many people want to walk in the anointing or the operations of the Spirit to try to give out to other people, but they're not concerned with what, that, what God is doing in them to enlarge their capacity to receive. And so God is always going to do something in us before he can do something through us. He's more concerned. <laughs> you know, we think when we talk about ministry and we talk about training leaders, um, everybody wants to do the works of ministry. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. But really, God's more concerned with who you, what you're being, what you're becoming, than he is with what you're doing. He wants you to do things, but he wants you to do things because you've become something. And so he's more concerned with the choices that you're making, with the love that you're walking in, with the way that you're allowing things, you know, that, that sand comes under a high degree of heat to be melted or whatever it happens, maybe someone here knows more than me, to turn it into glass. In that same way, the, the, these things happen in our life. They're not always pleasant. They're painful. They're 
they burn in us. <laughs> you know, when somebody does something to you and you want to pay them back, or someone says something about you, or even your response. You know, my, my old nature, I hope I'm not like this anymore, but if somebody said something sharp to me, I could fire it back that quick. My dad, we're Italian, he used to say, we're the ones with the sharp tongue, the, the, burning, the, bitter, the bitter tongue. I'm like, I'm not going to have a bitter tongue. I'm not going to be the one that reply, returns evil for evil. But that was my flesh nature. And so, you know, I remember when I was an early Christian, I tried so hard. I would quote, quote scripture, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, every word I speak is word of grace. Then someone would come and say something to me and just... And I would be like, ah, Lord, help me. I still have my old journals, you know, and I'm trying to renew myself with the Word, and I am renewing myself with the Word. But it takes some time. Praise God, after, if you've been walking with the Lord for um, 50 years or however long I've been, I hope that I'm different now than I used to be. So if you're a beginner and you're having that struggle with how come I keep doing what I don't want to do, just know that the Spirit of God is working in you, and every time you say yes to the Spirit of God, every time you make a right choice, you're going to get stronger. And every time you, you get stronger, it'll be easier next time. And one day, I hope you keep journals, because one day you're going to look back and say, wow, look what I used to be, and look what I am now. I used to say to people, you know, I, I just said it this morning, I was up at Meeker, like, I'm timid, I'm a timid person. People would say, you're not timid. I'm like, well, I thought I was timid. I, I used to be timid. <laughs> but maybe I've changed, you know, because people change when they got the Spirit of God in them. But in order to see that change, we have to cooperate with the Spirit of God. We have to want his instruction. We have to want him to work. So the anointing is an outflow upon us for others. The glory is the presence of God within us to change us. And the outflow is restricted or increased by our capacity on the inside. So, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and it's written to the Corinthian church, and we know they're immature, doing a lot of things wrong because Paul's giving them all kind of instructions in chapter 14 about how to run meetings, how to prophesy. And back in chapter um, 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, you guys are arguing about if you're from, of Paul or Apollos. You are carnal. You're behaving like mere men. He's saying, Wait, rise up, wake up. He, he's like smacking them. Like, it's not about Paul or Apollos. We're both servants of God. Stop being carnal. So we know the Corinthians were being carnal, and yet they were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit are for others, and they will operate, but they will sometimes bring a reproach to the kingdom if our character and our motives are impure. <laughs> and so when, because a lot of times people um, want to do something great for God. Listen, we all want to do something great for God. When I was younger, and I know all of you probably have experienced this, you, you have selfish ambition. You can't get away from it. You think you want to do stuff for God, but a lot of times you want to do stuff so you will look good. Or maybe it's not about looks. 
you want to perform better. You want to achieve something for God. And go on the mission field for 23 years, that gets burned out of you pretty quick. Because <laughs> you have to make decisions like you're going to stay when you don't want to, and you're going to do stuff you don't want to do, but God's called you to. And when you make those decisions, it's purifying your motives on the inside. And I can honestly say you can get to the place where it literally is like Jesus, not my will, Lord, but your will. <laughs> like you, I used to have so many plans of my own, and it was so hard because I was always trying to go this way and God was going that way. You know, it was a, <laughs> if you ever feel like your life's a struggle all the time, it might be because you're, you think you're yoked with Jesus, but you keep trying to lead and he's also trying to lead. So it's kind of a battle. When I finally gave up on all my own ideas, it got so easy to be led. It was like, wow, I wish I would have done that sooner. Because when I stopped trying to go my own way, and I really said from my heart, Lord, your way is the only way, then, it, then he began to lead, and it became easy to follow. So we know that the fruit that the Spirit produces is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. My assignment tonight is to do goodness and faithfulness. And then I believe Pastor Mark is going to have the really fun one at the end, which is humility and self-control. <laughs> so I kind of wish I got that one, but, you know, it's, those are the, probably the harder of all of them. But at the end it says, against these things, in Galatians 5.23, there is no law. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Hindu from Nepal or a, an atheist from the United States. No one has anything against love. <laughs> no one can, can call out love or say that it's not wanted or needed. There's no law against it. And so there's no power that can stop love. And this is why God wants our hearts and our motives to be purified to be like him, because when we can shine that love out, it will be irresistible to people. People know when you're pretending, or I won't even say pretending, we're superficial sometimes, and we're trying to preach and get someone saved, but we really don't, we're not showing them love. If, if they really felt, if they really knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't be running away from him, Right? If they knew Jesus like I knew Jesus, they would be so wanting him and, and running to him. And so there's, there's some disconnect in how we're presenting it sometimes. And I believe God wants to work in us so he can work through us. And the good news is he can do it. All we have to do is say yes and allow him to do it. James 1 you guys know this, I think, James, but I put it in context, 20, verse 21. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. He goes on to say, if you hear and you don't do things, it's like a person who looked in the mirror and saw who they really were, and then they turned away and they forgot. 
And that happens to us a lot because we come to church, we look in the mirror of the word when Pastor Mark's preaching, we say, oh yeah, that's who I am. And then we walk out of the church sometimes and we forget. And somebody says something to us and we fire back. Or we find ourselves saying negative things about somebody and, and I'm as guilty is anybody, okay? So we're all a work in progress. And this word is not to bring any condemnation because the good news is Jesus said he'll do it. In fact, I will say this, he is doing it. It's just a matter of how fast we let him do it. We can speed it up by saying, here I am, Lord, change me. He has a lifetime plan for you. He's looking at the end, the Bible says in one place, I think it's in Isaiah, he declares the end from the beginning. So you might see where you've been and where you are, but God sees where you're going. And he's preparing you, as we say every Sunday almost, for what he has prepared for you. But it's not so much about preparing your skills for ministry. That's a part of it. But more important than that is preparing your heart and your motives to do the ministry, because that's where the power originates from within. I was remembering, and maybe this is why Pastor Mark asked me to teach this. We, I was talking to him a couple, a week or so ago, and I said, you might not remember this, Pastor Mark, but I remember it. And I said, I have been on the mission field just for like probably a, a one session, like a few months, half a year. And he, he came, and I said, Pastor Mark, I have a question. I said, you know, before I went on the mission field, God was working on me for five years. And I'm telling you, it was nonstop. Now, he's so gracious. He won't give, us, he won't give it all to us at once. Because we would be like, Isaiah, woe is me. I am undone. <laughs> but he would show me, like, one thing at a time. Like, you're like this. And I'd be like, no, I'm not really, I am? I don't want to be like that. And he would help me. You know, he'd show me where the root of it was. He'd show me scriptures about who I was. He'd say he was going to help me with that for five years. I mean, I'm not against counselors. A lot of people go to counselors all the time in the world, I mean, and and there are good Christian counselors. But the Holy Spirit was my counselor. And he will be actually be your counselor too if you're willing to let him. I, he took me through this process, and then it ended up with me going on the mission field. And I said to Pastor Mark, I know I'm not perfect, but none of that's happening now. Like, he was working in me all the time for five years, and now he's not doing anything. And I know I'm not perfect, so what's going on? And I remember him saying, well, Tony, God was working in you so he could do something new through you. And he told me, he said, you will know if he starts working in you again, you'll be know that he's preparing you for another level. Well, I'm so glad he told me that because it was probably like five years later, he started working in me again. It was like he showed me something and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm like that. I'm in ministry and I, I have all this stuff in me that's so ugly and I don't want that there. And he began again to purify my heart purify my motives, cut, you know, you've, I, I say he cut me down. He's cutting away flesh, <laughs> so it feels like you're getting cut down, but really he's, he's bringing out, you know, it, it's like a, a chunk of marble. 
And that Michelangelo, whoever, saw, saw that figure in that marble and just began to remove all of the outside big chunks first to get the rough shape. And after the big stuff was removed, then comes the like digging, filing, sanding. So then he's going in to work in you, and none of that is very pleasant. But God sees something in you he wants to bring out. So five years or so later, I'm facing that again, and I'm like, this is terrible. I shouldn't even be a missionary with all this stuff. But, you know, I remembered what Pastor Mark said. I guess I should be happy because God's working in me. That means he's going to do something else through me. And I'm telling you, it's true. Within a couple of years after that, I was like directing a Bible school. And so I say that to encourage you, if you feel that pain, you know, of God working in you, and so we're all going to respond differently to that. Some of us will, will have condemnation, actually, like, I can't, I can't believe I'm like that. I'm terrible. I should not even go to church. Don't, don't fall for that lie. For me, you know, it was a challenge to like, God, here I am, like what we were saying in worship. I lay my life before you. I can't make myself good, but you can. And so I give you permission. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you, worshiping him and allowing him to work. And so I say that to say if we want to go to another level as a church, new creation church and partners, you know, other churches that are connected with us, or the church universal, if we're going to go to another level, we have to be willing to let him work in us. And, and we have to be humble enough to know that we need work <laughs> and not to feel like we've got it all together because we took Bible school and we know check, 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 I can pass the test, you know? Because it's not about the outside, it's about the inside. That, that vision that Tommy Hicks had, uh, Pastor Mark refers to it sometimes, and the vision came to Tommy Hicks in 1967, and I better keep, keep my eye on where I'm at here. I haven't got to goodness and faithfulness yet. <laughs> But, but that's what Pastor Mark does. He reviews like a lot, and then he goes, comes to the end. So instead of reviewing all his stuff, I'm reviewing all my stuff that you guys don't know yet. So <laughs> anyhow, Tommy Hicks saw the vision of a giant stretched out laying on the earth, and there was all this like debris and vermin, like mice and critters, like all running all over him. And he would shake, and they'd run away, and then he'd be still again, and they'd come back. And the giant represented the body of Christ. And finally, he shook it all off and he got up and he lifted his hands into heaven. And the glory, the silver drops of glory began to flow down through the church. And, and he said the giant melted and became people all over the earth that were of all nations, of all professions, doing the works of Christ. And so notice, we always, I, I like to preach about the glory that came down when he, they were worshiping. But before that, they had to shake off all the, the ropes and the weeds and all of the fungus and moss and little bugs that was crawling all over, okay? So God is working in us so that he can work through us. God does not have love. He is love. His nature is love. His motivation is love. 
Everything about him involves giving and growing others. He's a builder, and he's building with love. I like this scripture in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, in the New Living Translation. Paul's talking, and he says, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, there was a question, should we, we're judging they were judging, because you guys are eating food that's been offered to idols, and that's not right. Should we eat food that's been offered to idols? And Paul says, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. <laughs> Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. It's not our knowing about God that will bring change. It's our being like God that will bring change. Knowledge of his love will build us personally, and sharing that love will build his church. So God's love in us will make us bold to keep pursuing his will. So now let me get to my two fruits, goodness and faithfulness. Goodness is defined as benevolence, the quality of being good and honorable, virtue, uprightness of heart and life, and um, I, I was studying this passage in Matthew 7, and it's also in Luke 6, and where Jesus said, every good tree bears good fruit. This is verse 17, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By their fruits you will know them. And then he goes on to talk about building our lives on the rock so that it won't be shaken. Now, I, I started, you know, I, I don't like how, what that says. Um, the, the part in verse 22, right after that, many will say to me, Jesus said in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We've done many wonders in your name. And I will say, I never knew you. So that bothered me a lot. I was like, why would Jesus say that, you know, to people that did all that for him? And really, you have to read the Bible in the context that it's, that it's written in. The context of the chapter is about judging. It's, it's the same chapter that talks about why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? So the context is Jesus saying, you shouldn't be worrying about what other people are doing. You should be judging yourself and let me read that from the um, message version, that verse 22. This is, makes it a little more clear. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. Don't, you don't impress me. Okay, so what is he talking about here? He's talking about motives. And yes, we want to be agents of change for people. We want to preach, and I don't want you to stop doing that. But we want to do it from a platform of humility, knowing that we are works in progress and that Christ is working in us to make us examples. Because when we preach in his name and then we turn around and do stuff that doesn't look like what he would do, it brings a reproach, and it for, especially for people that don't know him. 
you know how many people say like those Christians are, or why there's so many people that aren't sitting here in church tonight because they've been hurt by a Christian. Because they expected, and Pastor Mark always says this, well, you are a Christian. You should do this. Well, why? Well, you're, you guys judge me. Well, you're judging us. I mean, like, ju- if we would all just judge ourselves and love like he loved, there would be kingdom increase. So Luke's account, or let me read this first in Weist. No, I'll just skip that. Um, In Luke's account, in Luke 6, he says, why do you call me? It's a little bit different. Don't you love it when you read different passages of the same account? Because in Luke, he he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood came, the house couldn't be shaken. So what's he saying? He's saying our character is our foundation. And when we do what Jesus is saying, and and this doesn't mean you being perfect tomorrow, okay? It means you having a heart that's willing to change. And you having a heart that's humble, that says, Lord, show me where I need to change and help me. Because if we do that, he will. The the Spirit-Filled Life Bible says, understand that an individual's actions can be better indicators of their motives than their appearances or claims. And so Jesus is saying, "If if you want to have power in your life, do what I say to do. Come unto me and let me work in you. Paul said he creates in us power and desire to do his goodwill. So God's goodness, God's glory is his goodness. Exodus 34, Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, I will let my goodness pass before you. So the, the fruit of goodness is just being, being right, being like Christ, having, having the nature and character of Christ. But I really love faithfulness too, because to me, faithfulness is being full of faith. You, if you are full, if you are faithful, it means you believe that God is going to do what He said He would do. So, being faithful is being like God in that we are believing in Him. The definition is to be steadfast and reliable, unwavering, loyal and conscientious, sure and true. People who show themselves faithful in transactions of business the execution of commands, the discharge of official duties, one who is worthy of trust, one who trusts in God's promises. And so Jesus, in Hebrews 3.1 or 3.2, says he was faithful to God who appointed him. As Moses was faithful, we all count on God to be faithful, but I had to tell you that God is counting on us to be faithful. God's hands are tied. He, he can do nothing on the earth apart from people who say yes, but don't just start something, but are faithful to continue, right? And I know, you know, so many of you are. And, and that faithfulness is a God-like quality because so many people are like shifting sand. You can't depend on what they say. And God 
needs to be able to depend on us that when we say, yes, Lord, we're going we're gonna to keep it up. We're going to stand, and we're going to keep doing what he told us to do. Pastor Paul is a pastor that I served in the Philippines, and I remember him sharing with us about missionary stuff and giving us advice about our children. And, and he said, you know, Tony, these are things that most people don't know because most people don't stay long enough to learn it. <laughs> and so when he'd been a missionary for 30 years, he had learned some stuff, been through some stuff that other people didn't know about. And so what a treasure to be able to receive that kind of wisdom from someone that didn't quit. Pastor Paul used to tell about all the occasions, and I know you guys can relate, the, the enemies that come against you that tell you to quit. Stop. It isn't any good. You can't do it. You, you know, it's of no use. We all, we all hear these voices, and especially now, because we're in this time that, that uh, Daniel 7.25 says, Satan is seeking to persecute the church. One translation says, wear out the saints. Wear out the saints. And so we are not those who shrink back. We are not those who are going to wear out. We are not those who are depending on ourselves to just be strong and make it through. What are we dependent on? Him. God is greater and is more than enough to work in us. And just know this, that his working in us is purifying us. You're getting stronger by the day. Matthew 25, the parable of the, the talents, he said, well done, good, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. So that to me says that faithfulness equals the authority, levels of authority. And so, you know, you're not going to get promoted to the next level if you quit the level you're at. <laughs> You get promoted to the next level because you stick with it and you go through the hard things and you deal with the people that you have to deal with and the issues that come your way, betrayal, rejection, you know, every, every, we're all going to face these things. But what do we do in them? We keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep moving forward. So God has places of authority for his church and achieving those places depends on us allowing him to expand us, our love, our ability to be like him. I really love this um, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 in the, this must be the message, really speaks to me. Dear, dear Corinthians, or dear, dear church, new creation, I can't tell you how much I long for us to enter this wide, open, spacious life. Paul says, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Amen? And so, do you want to do that? I want to do that. I told Pastor Mark, like, I feel like I'm at another place like that in my life that inner working. And so instead of uh, getting upset about it and saying, you know, why do I have to go through this again? I say, praise God. He's working in me, so he's going to do more through me. <laughs> he is a God who never stops working. 
like that Waymaker song. And, and if you keep yielding to him, he's going to keep working in you, and he's going to take you from one level of glory to another level. And as you go from glory to glory, we go, the church, from glory to glory. Guys, we have to shut, shut down the enemy. <laughs> and don't say, I can't do it, because we can do it. All we have to do is say no. You're not going to trick me with that one again. You know, under the blood. Praise God, we're teaching about the blood. Somebody hurts you. Listen, we all have misunderstandings. Make, do what you can to make it right. But for, for 100% sure, let God take it. Give it to him. Let's not carry baggage around because that baggage is dra dragging us down. And it's stopping us from being those clear, pure, reflective temples of God that we're ordained to be and that we can be. Amen? So let's just stand up as we close and, and go to the Lord. Father, we, we come to you tonight, and we just want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be more like you, Lord. So we humble ourselves as you said, under your mighty hand. We don't exalt ourselves. We don't defend ourselves. We don't promote ourselves. Uh, we don't tell you all the good things that we've done. We know that, that you're doing good things in us, but it's all about you, Jesus. And the things that you've started, you're able to complete in us. And so I pray for each one here, myself included, Lord God, that you... We pray that you would speed up the work. We can take it, Lord. We pray that you'd turn up the heat. <laughs> and, and that fire we were singing about, that you would just let that holy fire fall as we yield to you and as we lift our hands and our hearts, that that fire would fall upon our sacrifice and would purify our hearts. Because we know you can, do, you can do in an instant what would take us years to do in our own strength. And so here we are, Lord. We give ourselves to you. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, and work, work, work in our hearts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just want to take just a minute for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves. We worship you. We worship you. Do what only you can do. Great and mighty God, mighty in power, awesome in your works. Expand us, Lord God, enlarge our capacity to receive your love because we can't give what we don't have. So, so enlarge our ability to see how much you love us, that you want to work in us, you want to work through us, you're not looking, you're not measuring what we do. You're, there's not a checklist that you're measuring every time we come to church or we say something good or we do something good. That's not what it's about. It's about Christ in us, Lord, you in us. And as we commune with you and as we look to you, we are changed. Lord. We give you what we are. 
just like the, the servants in the parable of the talents, we give you what we are, even, in, even our imperfections, all of our good, all of our bad, all of our past, all of our memories, all that we are. We just lay it at your feet, and we just thank you, Lord, that you're able to raise us up <laughs> to be like you. And so we don't hang on to our lives. We don't hang on to our, our causes or our plans. We, we yield them to you and we say, you're all we want. You're all we want. And so we thank you, Lord God, that you're able to work in us. Now I pray for the church here, Lord, that we know that you're, you're doing something. <laughs> and so we add our faith to that. We add our supply to that. We say yes we say, yes, Lord, do something in us and do something among us and do something through us because we know you have higher things, words that have been spoken over this church that shall come to pass. And so we agree with those things with our mouths and with our hearts and we say yes. And, and we stand in the gap for all those that maybe don't, don't know uh, as much as we do or, or aren't as far along as us. We hold on to the plan. And I, I thank you, Lord, for the new ones that are coming, that are here, and some that are coming that are, are brought to this church just for such a time as this. There's pieces and parts and places, all hands on deck, everyone gathered for your holy end time purpose in this region and beyond. And so we give you praise and thanksgiving. Lord, show each of us if there's something we need to do, an adjustment we need to make, a person we need to love or, or share or, or apologize to or reach out to, and not just one, but show us every day, Lord. Let us be, we'll be sensitive. We'll, we'll do what you, what you prompt us to do. And thank you for being with us and in us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Well, Why don't you give her a hand? Thank you so much. Love that. <clears throat> you know, God is working in us so he can work through us. Amen. You know, if you don't want to do anything for God, um, that's fine. You'll probably have to take that up with him when you get to heaven. But uh, he's calling each and every one of us to do something great and mighty. And he first has to work in us, right? I think about a, a copper pipe that might have a lot of corrosion and calcium build up in it a little bit of water can get through and that's fine and if you're okay with that and that's fine but I've I've been in that situation and I've been trying to take a shower and it's really annoying when the water pressure is terrible sometimes what you need to do is you need to go in and you need to clean out those pipes and so you can get the water moving and the water flowing you know if you look at I believe it's second Timothy he talks about being a vessel of honor fit for the master's use, right? So he's working in you so he can work through you. And that's that process, you know. I'm glad that um, God is patient with us because we haven't arrived yet and we probably won't ever arrive. But the goal is to be more like Jesus. And if you heard that verse in Colossians that says that love is the bond of perfection, yes, love holds all things together. But if you break down that word in other Another definition for that in the Strong's is love is the process of perfection. So in order to be more like Christ, 
we develop in love for him and in love for others. And that's the process of being more like him each and every day, a little bit more like him, a little bit more like him. And so we can be vessels of honor. God is working in us so he can work through us. Nice. I like just turned right back on. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you, Miss Tony. Appreciate y'all coming out tonight. Um, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Father God, for the word that was brought forth this evening. You said that the entrance of your word brings forth light, and light is revelation. So I thank you that as we sit under the word, you're revealing to us more about who you are and who we are and how to become more like you. We thank you for that process. We trust in your promise and your process, and we'll be patient, and we will grow, and we will listen, and we will learn. And we will let you work in us so you can work through us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. want to remind you that we're having a light up the night in November. Is it the 26th or the 27th? I can't remember. 27th. Come here. Enjoy some carols. We're going to have, you know, hot cider, cookies, carols, and a chili fundraiser for our youth. Um, so I encourage you all to come to that. And then Christmas Eve services um, on November, or not November, <laughs> December 24th. We've got a 4 p.m. service and a 5.30 service. Anything else I'm missing? Yes, the 12th of this month is the volunteer day for putting up the Christmas lights. So if you'd like to come, there's a sign-up on the app. Um, you can come at 9 in the morning and help the maintenance team put up lights. All right, y'all, thank you so much. We love you. Enjoy your week, and we'll see you next time.